Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, in the second half of the show today, we're going to be joined by Sonny Schindler, Captain Sonny Schindler from Shore Thing Charters, and we're going to talk about how things are going there and just have this normal we love the outdoors type of conversation. So look forward to that coming in the second half of the show. And the first part of the show, we're going to do like we always do. We're going to focus with our friend, Jeff Duncan, on the situation with the Saints. We'll go ahead and bring Jeff in and say good morning to you, Jeff. How you doing, buddy? Ricky, I'm doing great, man. Good to see you. And Kyle, our producer, is also going to join us for the first part of the show. How are you doing there, Kyle? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm good. Hey, let me, I'm going to start the conversation off with this. I thought Luke Johnson captured really well. He always kind of comes back and looks back on the game and talks about sort of the analytical side of it. And he's a really good thinker. He's a great partner for you, Jeff, on, on your journey, as is all the others who write about the Saints. But here's what he wrote. The Saints and the Seahawks were a punching bag for people with no skin in the game on Twitter. They bemoaned the low-scoring affair in wet and windy conditions. They were briefly sated with an 84-yard bomb to a star receiver before he was made a complete non-factor the rest of the way. They wanted fireworks but got a slow burn instead. I get it. I understand it even. But the Saints' gritty defensive performance earned some some of your appreciation, national audience. I'd say he put that pretty well. I mean, it was, gosh, once again, if you love defense, you love this game. If you if you miss sort of the fireworks of the past of the Saints' offense, you, there's still something to you know to left to be desired. But anyway, Kyle, when you look back on on the game, what's the burning question you have of of Jeff Duncan? Well, you know, one of the biggest questions I have. And I have to reel myself back in based on previous conversations with Jeff, and he always brings it home to say that the Saints, when Drew Brees first started, weren't all that much better. So I do keep that in mind. But can the receivers, are they going to be able to catch the ball going forward, or is that just a, a weather thing? Or can it's really hard to judge what we have outside of Michael Thomas when we kind of see a performance like that. Yeah, it's a good point, Kyle. It's what everyone seems to be talking about, all the receivers. I think because the broadcast crew on Monday Night Football really talked about it, and it tends to set the tone for the narrative. But, you know, I look, I watched the game again, and I know everyone kept saying that the weather wasn't as bad, but I thought it was terrible weather. I, you know, I was there. I don't know why everyone said it wasn't a factor. I mean, to me, those those were difficult conditions to pass the ball in accurately, to catch the ball accurately, and I, I think it's I think everyone's looking for the boogeyman, right? They're looking for one simple scapegoat to blame, and it's not. It's not that simple. When I watched the game again, receivers were open on certain plays, and Jameis didn't see them, and that happens. That happens to all NFL quarterbacks. It's not just Jameis Winston. It happened to Drew Brees when he was here. Um, and then there's times when Jameis will make an accurate pass 
and it maybe gets dropped. Or there's times when the pass, the timing of the pass is not there. And so there's a lot of different factors that are that are, are blocking might break down on one play and, and, and derail the play. So their passing attack is not operating or firing on all cylinders right now, but it's not just this narrative that the receivers aren't getting open. I can assure you that's not the issue. It, it's part of an issue on certain plays, but it's not the boogeyman, you know, which is we'll go out and get some big stud receiver and everything's going to be solved. It's not going to be that simple. Now, going back to the weather thing, the only time I can see where people will get off on the weather was not that bad because on TV, you don't really see it except for right. certain angles from cameras that are on the field level. And I've noticed it that, yeah, that weather was really tough. The ball is really slick. Um, so I kind of give that, you know, a little bit. I, I just kind of worried about it. And I did see a few moves that I kind of worry that Jameis is Jameis, but I'm still hopeful that this coming weekend, now the defense kept us in it. I hope the defense can ride that stallion that they rode in Seattle. I hope they can just keep that momentum up against Tampa Bay because it's going to be a totally different ball game going against Tom Brady. Well, you know, speaking of the weather, just look at Seattle. I mean, they missed two field goals. Uh, I think the wind played a big factor in both those misses. And I think people forget, I mean, the Saints were pretty fortunate to win that game. I mean, they played well defensively and controlled the game. But Seattle missed two field goals, jumped off sides on a field goal. Uh, I mean, on a fourth down, I think it was. I mean, they they made a lot of mistakes to get you beat in a tight game like that. And the Saints didn't make as many. They fumbled the ball. They contributed to it, kind of gifted a field goal to Seattle. But uh, Saints are going to have to win games that way this year. They're going to have to win, not beating themselves, let that defense play, play the way they're playing. Because right now their their offense is a work in progress outside of Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's definitely the guy. Everybody knows it. Still difficult to stop. But their passing attack is just is just off a little bit right now. And it's not a very simple answer. I think it's just going to continue to take time and reps. Now with Mike Thomas still on the sideline, when he comes back, whether or not he comes back sooner or later, the real question in my mind is. Does he see what decisions he made in the offseason about the surgery and the way he kind of went about things and whether it was him or whether it was the Saints? Does he see what kind of situation that he may have put the Saints in as a team putting himself, I don't know, the way he did? Does he see that? Does he recognize that? Or is it just Mike Thomas going to be Mike Thomas? Yeah, look, I think we're going to find that out when we get a chance to talk to him because no one has talked to him. Uh, in the country, as far as I can tell. And I can tell you this, you know, there's some frustration that he's not back yet. I don't think anybody's uh, accusing him of milking it or anything like that. There's just frustration and that they they know he's a great player. They hoped he would be back by now. So there's disappointment that he's not back a part of the team. And uh, clearly he's one of their best players. And the fact that he's gonna have missed half of a season for an injury that happened last December um, you know, that's really unacceptable how this whole thing's played out. And I'm not sure where the blame lies. Uh, I'm sure Mike Thomas is going to have his version of the story, but it should never have come to this. I don't think anybody would deny that. So one last thing, speaking of injuries, I didn't see the play. I'd kind of missed the first part of the game, but did Andrews Pete get hurt? Is he okay? 
No, no, I think he's out for the year. He uh, tore his pectoral muscle, that chest muscle. Happens a lot to linemen because they're using their leverage inside while blocking. And, uh, you know, that's a tough loss. I mean, he's one of the more experienced offensive linemen. Calvin, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do. They, they used the rookie uh, Calvin Throckmorton in there. I guess he's not really a rookie, second-year player. Played pretty well. But they also have James Hurst, who's their backup tackle, who's played guard throughout his career and is definitely their sixth best lineman. Uh, I'm not sure if Sean just wants to keep him at tackle or they think he might slide inside. And then they also just signed a guy named Forrest Lamp that Saints fans might not be familiar with, but Forrest Lamp was a second-round draft pick a few years ago out of Western Kentucky and started 16 games for the Chargers and then was released because he, he had an injury he was rehabbing. Saints very shrewdly signed him a couple of weeks ago. This is a guy that started in the NFL at guard, so it'll be interesting to see if they just stick with Rockmorton there to replace Pete. But it looks like Pete for sure is probably going to be out for the rest of the season. So he's one of their best run blockers. Uh, he struggles sometimes in pass protection, but uh, definitely a, a force in the running game. Well, thanks, Kyle. Kyle really, I think he did a good job of sort of zeroing in on some of the big questions that, that fans in general have. And one of the things I'd like to do is kind of circle back a little bit. I still see Jameis, I still see Jameis being indecisive. Am I being too critical or is he having a hard time with these progressions? Well, I mean, it's, it's you know, he's in a new offense and it's going to, this is what I'm talking about. It's going to take a little time. I mean, uh, people got used to watching Drew Brees, who had been in that, that offense for 15 years and knew, knew where he was going with the ball all the time. And I just think it's it's part of the learning curve that's going to happen. And I think it would be happening with any quarterback probably in this system, not just Jameis Winston. But um, I also think that they're playing these games very conservatively right now because they know they can win games this way. Now, what's interesting, and it gets back to what Kyle asked earlier, I mean, they're getting ready to play a team where they're not going to be able to just run the ball and get the ball to Alvin Kamara. They're going to have to make some plays in the passing game to win on Sunday. And that's what I'm going to be most fascinated to watch is can Jameis Winston uh, answer the bell in a game like this against a, an elite opponent? Because they, let's face it, guys, they really haven't played, except for Aaron Rodgers, any elite quarterback so far. And they haven't played a, a lot of elite offenses so far. Uh, so they haven't had to, they haven't had to try and keep up with, the, with an opponent. This week's going to be different. Well, so far, as we come down to the end of the segment, and we'll pick it up on the other side, but so far, it's played out about the way you said it was going to be. Saints defense is going to win the games. We're going to, we're going to, this, the strength of this team is going to be based upon how the defense plays. And, and as, it's, as, the, as the offense gets its feet underneath them, you know, as we get toward the middle of the season, we'll see what we had to work with. And we're kind of at that point now. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. When we come back, uh, we'll continue our conversation about the Saints with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. This Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. You know, several things that are racing through my head about this game last week. First of all, as a general rule, Seattle games tend to be kind of close and low scoring. That's just kind of the way they play the game. 
The second thing is that in the post-game uh, news conference, uh, Peyton, what he did, he did. You did as a as a as an observer. I was feeling some frustration. I was glad we win, but feeling some frustration. You didn't see that frustration in him. He was kind of glad to get through this game with a win. He was pleased with some things that he saw. There's some things that they needed to work on. And then, of course, when I read you. You have been able to put things in perspective the whole the whole year, and the thing that you really focused on is this this like road winning percentage. The Saints are you know this this track that we're on right now is unbelievable, and you are able to understand that a win is a win, and get beyond all the clutter and say, hey, we're moving in the right direction. But talk about how you see this game. Well, I'm seeing it a lot like Sean sees it, and I think what. He's looking at the big picture, Ricky. Uh, you know, they're, they're not at full force right now. They're treading water to try and get back, and they're never going to be. I mean, we saw this week they lost Will Lutz, and, they, and, and you know, they lose Andrews Pete. That's what happens in the NFL. You're going to lose guys. So they're never going to be quite full force, but he knows they're going to have some key guys coming back. So they're just trying to stack as many wins as they can, however they can get them, until they can get back everybody uh, these are key players that are coming back. Mike Thomas being being one of them. And David Onyemata comes back this week. He's a huge addition back to the defensive line. Uh, so I think he's he realized this game was going to be played bad weather, on the road. We just need to somehow get the W and get out of here with a win and get back where we can play in some normal conditions and not a bomb cyclone. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> he was just trying to manage that game and get a win. He's not going for style points. And I thought they did a really good job. I mean, if if, if that unfortunate fumble that that um, Adam Troutman had, I mean, it was really just a fluke play. The helmet hit the ball there. Uh, they would have been really almost mistake-free as far as turnovers and really tough conditions. And I think that was also a big reason why Alvin Kamara got the ball 30 times. He's got such great ball security, never really comes close to fumbling. Uh, they wanted to keep the ball in his hands in, in that weather. NSC player of the, uh, the week, the Khmer, that is. And, you know, you said this. It will be, you'll be interesting to see what happens when you get Davenport back on the defensive line because you weren't seeing sort of the sack ratio that you would expect to see. Immediately, you bring him back in. I don't know if it's just because of him, but look how many sacks they had suddenly. And yeah. Quan Alexander only played just a little bit. I'm assuming they're just easing him back in. But what's what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think they're going to ease all these guys back a little bit. And um, Onyemata, I think, will probably be thrown right out there to the wolves because he's such a difference maker inside. But there's no doubt Davenport and Onyemata are going to make the defensive line even more uh, dangerous for opponents. I think this game this weekend is going to be – an unbelievable game to watch from a perspective of really two really good lines. The Saints, for the most part, dominate people up front. They just have better offensive and defensive linemen. That's not going to be the case this week. I mean, it's going to be an even match. So that's why I think it comes down to some of the skill position players. The Saints are going to have to have some guys step up in the passing attack. I do think it will be easier uh, than normal to throw because I do think uh, Tampa Bay's the one weakness they have on defense is their secondary. You can make hay against their secondary. Their front seven's dynamite. But uh, I think the Saints' secondary is much better than Tampa Bay's. But Listen, having said that, Tampa Bay's receiving core, I think, is much deeper and more talented than the Saints' receiving core. DeMario Davis is an amazing leader. 
I mean, just the way he the way he communicates on on the field. If a player is starting to get a little bit too rambunctious, he's going to be the first guy to pull him back. But boy, in those last couple of drives, man, this guy was a demon on the field. I I mean, have you have you seen him play better than that? That was really incredible. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it had a couple of things played into that. One, the Saints really didn't fear uh, Geno Smith and their passing attack at all. So they could afford to let DeMario Davis turn his ears back and go after the quarterback. And we saw him attacking downhill time after time after time because they really weren't concerned with the passing attack from Geno Smith and the weather conditions. So I think that played into it. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is I always have to consider the opponent the circumstances, that's not going to be the case this week against Tampa Bay where he's just going to come out and dominate like that because Tampa Bay and Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette out of the backfield, I mean, they're going to, they're going to, you know, have adjustments to make, whereas Seattle's offense is really, really predicated on being able to run the ball and every once in a while taking a shot downfield like they did early uh, with DK Metcalf. That's what they do. And the Saints, I knew, would shut down the run and it really makes it easy when you come one-dimensional like that. That's why this week I'm going to be much more interested to see against a multifaceted offense with great receivers and a really good running back and the greatest, maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, a guy that's very difficult to fool. They fooled Geno Smith a lot the other night where he was holding the ball a long time and couldn't get the ball out. Uh, it's going to be a whole different, whole different uh, attack this week. So coming back to special teams, we got a punter for the future. This guy is playing great ball. And then, of course, Will Lutz, his core muscle, he had a little setback, may need surgery, probably going to get surgery. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. This young new kicker we've got, he he kicked under pretty tough conditions. So that's got to give Sean at least a little confidence that maybe we have our guy. Yeah. I mean, we're going to find out more. We get a larger body of work, but... Certainly, he was kicking in unbelievably difficult conditions. Uh, probably not going to get any worse than that in his career. So I think it's interesting they went with a young guy instead of, uh, you know, they tried a couple of veteran players and they didn't work out, Aldrick Rosas and, and Cody Parkey. So they decided to pluck a guy off the Bears practice squad, and I think he responded well. And It's going to be big. They're going to win a lot of games with a kicking game. So they need a reliable field goal kicker. He didn't miss an extra point in college. Not a single one. So the kids obviously kicked in some tough situations. And this past weekend was really a tough situation for sure. Hey, when you look at um, the injuries that we have out right now, uh, obviously Taysom Hill, Jones Jr., when are we going to get these guys back? Yeah, and Deontay Harris would be a big addition Uh, too. Yeah. What's your thoughts on well, look, I think the Taysom Hill loss showed up when they got in the red zone last week. They got down there on the inside the five and had to kick a field goal. That's where you miss a guy like him in that short yardage. They're able to bring him in, becomes a numbers game, and the Saints couldn't punch it in. So he's definitely a factor. I don't know. I mean, we, we're not getting updates on, on those injuries until later in the week. Uh, I don't think it was a good sign, though, that he wasn't even in practice all last week. He wasn't even around. And I knew that it was a bad concussion, uh, and so he may he may be out again. We won't know. I mean, it comes down to the tests. There's a protocol involved, and he has to pass those protocols before he can get back on the practice field. 
Deontay Harris, you brought him up, and I should have mentioned him for sure because he is a deep threat, but he's got one of those weird injuries that may not be one he recovers from quickly. What you're, what you're hearing about him? Yeah, I mean, hamstrings are very difficult to come back from that quickly, and the Saints missed him in the return game. I mean, they're having to use Marquez Callaway and, and Kamara back there as well, um, and they're not the dynamic uh, threat that he is on returns. And also in the passing game, without – if you think about it this way, guys, I mean, think, you don't have Mike Thomas, you don't have Taysom Hill, and you don't have Deontay Harris. So all that adds up to why this passing attack is not quite as dynamic. I mean, you're missing, I'd say those are three of their five best offensive perimeter players, and they didn't have three of them in that game, and you're playing it in a kind of a monsoon. So I, that didn't bother me at all how they played that game. I knew that was going to be the, the way Sean Payton called the game. And uh, the fact that they just could get out of there with a win, hopefully guys get healthier coming up uh, because it, it's tough sledding coming up. I mean, they're going to start playing Dallas and Buffalo and Tennessee. And these are some of the elite teams in the league. And we knew this front half of the schedule was going to be more user-friendly than, than down the stretch. So when you look at you look at things like um, during the game, Jameis got super frustrated at one point. Is that leadership – did he have a good reason for being that way? Do you know the you know, situation around that moment? No, I saw it with my binoculars from the press box. And clearly there was some kind of communication issue. I mean, that, that's what it was. Sean Payton actually addressed it with Traquan Smith before Jameis got to him. And it got pretty heated over there. And I've seen that happen a number of times over the years. Uh, it's an emotional sport. And there was high emotions right there. But I like to see that out of Jameis Winston. I like to see him taking charge like that. And Traquan Smith is a great team player. So uh, I don't read anything into this other than these guys are trying to win a game and they're frustrated by, by some things that happened with him working his way back into the lineup. But the Saints rely a lot on, you know, uh, hidden reads and stuff by the receivers. And uh, there was obviously somebody wasn't on the same page there. So, you know what, buddy? It's time for Traquan Smith to emerge. It's time for, for Callaway to emerge. Maybe maybe the Tampa game is that moment. Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's going to happen. I think it's just going to take time. But I also think there's just, there's a lot of subtle nuances that, that we all took for granted with Drew Brees. I've talked about it before. But I'm telling you, I don't know if Jameis Winston's ever going to get there, even with the time. We're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. So I think people need to understand this is what life is like without a few first ballot Hall of Famer. That's why every, every team in the league is trying to find that guy. And uh, you're just going to have to live with some of the, the ups and downs, I think. Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune, always delivering a wonderful dose of reality. God bless you, my friend, and uh, good luck this weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Ricky. Talk next week, buddy. You bet. Take care. See you. I actually see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.